Hello and welcome back to the Thunder Six Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I am going to be talking about one of the most intriguing players in the 2021 draft class. Super stoked to talk about this guy. I'm going to be delving into Jalen Green and his overall potential. So with Jalen Green, if you guys do not already know the story with him, it's pretty cool. So in high school, he was the consensus number one prospect in his draft class. I think it was ESPN that rated him first. Other areas might have rated him second or third, but he was a top three guy unanimously. And he chose to join the G League Ignite team over any school. He could have gone to Kentucky, Duke, whatever it may be, there was going to be an offer. If he wanted to go to a random school in the middle of nowhere, of course they would have taken Jalen Green with open arms because he was electric in high school. But he wanted to go to play with the G League Ignite. Other high prospects also went over there, but he was the main guy and playing for the G League Ignite he was insane. I think with all the tape he has, there's a lot of room with him and where he could potentially go, especially as a scorer. But I want to start things out by just laying out the foundation with Jalen Green. So Jalen Green, he is a six foot six shooting guard. He did play a lot with the ball of his hands though. So you could kind of identify him as a combo guard if you'd like. And if that's the case, he fits the bill perfectly for that archetype really 66 and he has one a 178 pound frame a little bit on the skinny side but you can still kind of toy around with that you know when you're talking other players kind of with that kind of weight class SGA is right around there he weighs 180 pounds Jalen Green just two under that's practically where you're going in terms of build but the big deal about him is his wingspan and he has a six foot seven wingspan that's not crazy you know guys like a Giannis I think he has a wingspan of like seven three seven five it might be even seven to six I know KD has like a seven foot five one and he's like six ten six eleven whatever there's a lot of guys in the NBA who have wingspans a lot higher than what they normally are but Jalen Green's but Jalen Green's is not bad at all, all things considered, especially when you bring into account the sort of athleticism he can bring. Gives you that full package of size, speed, and just all-around offensive abilities to where it might say 6'7 wingspan and 6'6 height, but he can play far above that at times on the floor. And I think it all starts with Jalen Green when it comes to an explosive standpoint. He's one of the best slashers in this draft class when it comes to attacking the basket. He is one of, if not the best slashers. In terms of guards in this draft class, he takes it away. There might be one other guy in this draft class who makes it a competition. He's a small forward, power forward. But in terms of guards, a Cade Cunningham, a Jalen Suggs, whoever you want to mention, they do not compare to Jalen Green in terms of when he elevates on jams. So intriguing, almost reminiscent of a Zach Levine or a John Morant in terms of when he slashes the, like, to the basket, really. Even a Russell Westbrook. And I'm, I'm saying that with a straight face. Like, he is one of those types of players. His acceleration is ridiculous. He can go from 0 to 100 really, really quickly. 
But yeah, I mean, he is extremely fast. The acceleration is wild with him. And then he also has an extremely quick handle, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But it makes his access to the interior so, so easy for him. He can take players one-on-one. -on -one. He can blow right by them in those situations. And if there's kind of like a small crack in the floor, he's going to go right through there and he can fly in. It's not like he has to be in the restricted area to go up for these dunks. He goes well out beyond that. There's probably footage somewhere of him dunking from the actual free throw line. I don't have that footage, but it might be there if you want to search it up on YouTube. That is the kind of ridiculous dunks that he is able to pull off, especially when running in transition. Straight up a highlight reel. He's dangerous. He can get his head at rim level at six foot six. As I mentioned that, this isn't a tall dude. I mean, for a shooting guard, point guard, yeah, that's kind of tall, but the bounce that he has is wild. There's no vertical track record on him. There was no sort of, you know, combine or drills that measured him that I could find either in high school or his entrance into Orlando with the G League Ignite, but I'd have to imagine it is absolutely insane. So you just need to keep that in mind, but he is wild and he can do these dunks. Like I said, in transition, when he slashes to the basket or even when he rolls in as an alley-oop player. He is able to lift off from anywhere. He doesn't need a running start per se. Now, if you want those athletic ones where he's jumping like crazy, yeah, he might want a head start, but he can still bounce up and get to the rim. It won't look wild, but he's going to get you the two points regardless with one of his dunks and even mid-air layups if he chooses to with those alley-oops. So I think with all that considered, Jalen Green is the most athletic player in this draft class for a guard, and I think even at an NBA level, he is going to be one of the most athletic players point blank. That is the kind of gravity I'm really putting towards Jalen Green and how he's able to jump. It is really just wild overall, and I mean, it could give him a case for like a number one pick. That's a staple that you'd want for a scorer, but that's not all he brings overall and I want to just hone in a little bit more on the slashing because yes I talked about the dunking but that's not always everything you know if you give a random dude in the NBA a wide open lane sure they can probably flush home like a rim grazer now Jalen Green he can give you windmills he can go between the legs but you know I mean that that's not everything you don't get those opportunities all the time you can try to posterize people but you also need to go up and hang in there for layups and I think Jalen Green does an extremely good job at that all the highlights you see from him are those flashy dunks but when it comes down to the nitty-gritty layup plays Jalen Green is able to get it done for you he's pretty much a contortionist when he drives inside to get to the basket so when he's slashing in from the baseline what I love is he can go up and under with the basketball while he's midair so he'll elevate and then before he even reaches the apex, he's able to go up with the basketball, back down with it, get around the defender off that move, go back up, and then finish off the layup. He did that multiple, multiple times playing in the G League. And these G League centers, I'm not going to say they're the most refined. Obviously, they need touch-ups. A lot of them, they're like 6'8 to 6'10. They're not seven footers there are some kind of bunched in there 
but they're still very good defending in the interior. He's able to take that away from them with the kind of moves he's able to put on midair. And even when he drives head on at you, when these centers are at their prime positions, they seem to stick their hands up vertically and their height is going to do the rest. That's not enough against Jalen Green because when he goes up, typically he'll have both hands on the ball side, you know, on the side of the basketball, left hand on the side, right hand on the side, pound it together, elevate. He goes up. He has those arms extended and the elbows they're kind of pointing out they're leading a little bit he's kind of making almost a right angle from his elbow up to like his hands so these are these are some straight lines right here he's matching those vertical hands and arms of the defenders with his own but he kind of leans leans in with those elbows to kind of take them out a little bit and whereas those defenders they're going on straight up and, you know, they're going to get pushed a little bit and fall back down eventually. Jalen Green's not really affected by that. So he's running in with the elbows. He's not losing it on his momentum. He's a damn near a freight train going in there. So he's able to hang in, absorb the contact, and almost shield defenders off with his elbows. And then he'll decide whichever hand he wants to shoot the basketball with. Almost like a Hamadou Diallo. If you want to compare it to what we've seen with Thunder players... Hamanu Diallo before we traded him, where he would go in, jump right at these defenders, and almost hang. Now, the way Diallo does it is a little bit different, but you kind of get the idea of how he likes to play. He wants to go in there, and he's not going to take those contested layups until his man starts de-escalating, and he's kind of at his apex. So he has a clean cut shot at the rim, and if he's not making it, he could pick up a foul on his way to doing it anyways and to make things even better that soft touch that he has he can you know drop it in it can hit the back iron it's gonna pop up and it's gonna pop right in very sweet and that's something that is a consistent problem for some of these slashes at the next level they didn't have good touch in high school or college because it simply didn't matter now you're playing on the big big stage and when you have a prime opportunity to finish off a layup in contact, you need to be able to have a soft touch. And whether they get to the line, that's great. You want to convert the and ones. And Jalen Green is very, very good at that. And beyond that, I think that even talking about other ways he's able to adjust and make plays, slashing in, the alley oops is something that needs to be talked about. And I'm going to mention it a little bit later, but it kind of goes into some other you know, bigger sections of his game, but it comes down to a lot of awareness, and off the ball, he's always looking, whether it's in transition or it's in the half court, he's kind of evaluating his options at all times, so he'll sneak in for those alley-oops, typically from a wing or a baseline, and then he's able to drive in, slash, and he gets things done for you, and I think that translates just a little bit to how he operates driving in, not, you know, playing off the ball he's dribbling in he's trying to penetrate hard he has the awareness on where defenders might be moving where the openings might be starts up top with the dribble moves but he has a sidestep that he kind of is working on a little bit too to where he can get that sidestep off and now he's got a much cleaner shot at these layups so it's not just the flashiness that really makes green so special it's the layups and 
I think that might end up being more important than him, or more important for him. Like, obviously, you want to see those 50 dunks in games, but uh, if you're able to go up and get and ones all the time, like, you're not going to be very displeased with that. Even if there's, like, a dunking opportunity, give me the three points, and, you know, we are going to be good there. Like, if you want to go out there and see those highlight plays, I understand you, and I know why, like, if you're paying money for a ticket, you'd want to see that over just an and one, but his and ones are still pretty cool, too, and three points are better than two, especially when he has pretty good odds at the foul line, but I want to kind of divert a little bit more to the foul line, shooting the basketball, and how he's able to get open a little bit for those perimeter shots, and it starts with his handle. I already think that as a slasher, Jalen Green, he's at an all-star level. He's at a pro level to where he's going to be in those dunk contests. He's going to get the invites at least. Is he going to be too good for those? You know, we've seen LeBron. He doesn't want to do one. Jalen Green could also be in that spot at some time, but he'd definitely be an invite with the hops on his own. But the way he's able to get open is still so enamoring. He has the speed that's above most of these guys. At six foot six, he's at a very high tier overall he shoots out like a gazelle sometimes especially in transition but I think what kind of separates him from the pack is he's extremely fast but he's also extremely fast with the basketball in his hands and he has so many moves he can go to to create space in the half court he's able to go between the legs he can do some push crosses to get over but then also as he starts driving in he can go to step backs and pull-ups to go in and make some of these shots and all four of those moves are completely lethal but there's so much he can do with them so the first deal is his first step I said the acceleration was a big deal but it all starts with that first step with the basketball so he gets that first step in takes up a good amount of ground and off that he has already established kind of where he needs to go to blow by his defender because the way he portrays angles is already so so good and he's playing guys in the g league who i mean there's some defensive specialists there you know obviously not all of them are crazy good but there's a lot of veterans especially at the ones and twos that were playing in orlando that he would face up against but he'd get that first dribble move in and he'd already know where to go so once he establishes that He's just blowing right by there. He's not going to give them any sort of chance to adjust. If he, you know, takes his first step right and he sees more daylight, he's taking another three there and then he turns the corner on you and now you got to watch out for the penetration. But right after that, it gets a lot tougher because yes, he can go in, he can take a layup floater, dunk, even pass the basketball out, but he can even pull the ball outside once he starts slashing and he can free himself up kind of shock creator territory but he has a firm grip on it so he can go out and pull dribble move after dribble move in succession so let's say he drives by and now there might be someone helping out and he can't get a pass out well he's stuck in the mid-range now but it's fine so he can go between the legs he can do the push crosses all he wants to but then he can go elsewhere with the play he can do step backs and i think the step back with him is probably just his biggest plus he has 
as a shooter in this league. And it's not even the shot itself. It's the setup here. But he's able to go there in the mid-range, even at the three, if he's taking you one-on-one. But the step back is on par with almost like the Harden step back. So I said he can loop moves together. He'll do three successive moves. And then he'll do just, you know, a simple little dribble back, a push cross, whatever. But then he hits you with his step back so fast he can flip the switch in a matter of no time. So he goes into this step back and he just created a large cushion for himself. He's got a good like three, four feet of separation. There's not enough time for his defender to react. And he has such a quick jumper that he can go into that it's already an issue. And he's got wide open looks pretty much whenever he wants on a silver platter because it's just second nature to him, this step back of his. But then even when he's working in the mid-range, like I mentioned, the pull-up he can go to, he just steps right into it, pops it, and with a lot of these defenders, they're already backpedaling because they think Jalen Green's going to attack them. He could, but if he sees them backpedaling, he'll pull up and he'll pop a quick two, goes in a good amount of the time. But even whenever you're talking that maybe he gets it off the catch or something, he gets the basketball and he can pump fake and he can jab step. It might free himself a little bit of room and then he can just bolt right at the lane if there's nothing there. This is someone that I compare to like a Lou Dort almost to where if you're kind of stuck in no man's land where you're sagging off a bit, he can pop that three. But if you want to close out when he's doing those jab steps, he knows where he needs to go. He's going to get the angle and then you have him running baseline he just got that up and under layup that he can pull up on the center or even go reverse whenever he feels like it. So he's very diverse when it comes to everything. I think the, the quick handle really sets the tone. I I know I stressed it, but the I mean the step back is so so good. I don't think there's anyone in this class even close to him. Now I talked about Kate Cunningham in the last little comparison, but I mean, with Cade, he's not extremely fast, and I know he's 6'8". Like, he gets a little bit of slack there, but his step back is not fast. It covers an okay amount of room, but it's not fast, doesn't cover a lot, and his jumper's not that fast either. He just uses that size a lot on the smaller defenders. Jalen Green can take this step back and apply it to guys that are much taller than him quite frankly, because the speed he has, because the dribble moves he puts on right before the main show, the step back takes up so much room, he has high elevation on his jumper, and it gets off so clean, so fluid every single time that I seriously put him in like that all-star level category right now in terms of that step back. He will be getting open on NBA defenders really from day one, I believe. And I mean, that's that. There's not much of a discussion to be had. I don't even know if you can debate that, but it really roots in to how he's able to create at both levels. And even when he's looking at the pull-ups, as I talked about, like he he's dominant. I mean, he shot pull-ups on the right wing a lot in the G League, and he shot five of 11 there. Now that's not crazy high numbers, but it shows that, you know, he's all right. And there's also not a huge sample size that's coming from there, but he can hit. And then as a three-point shooter, a lot of those jumpers were coming 
off those step backs. But you also need to keep in mind that he wasn't the guy always running the show with the G League Ignite last year. You know, they were, or I guess this year, technically, but they had Jarrett Jack as a point guard, the veteran. He didn't play all the time, went in instance, but when he was playing, he was kind of orchestrating things, so he had to play off the ball. Jonathan Kuminga was on that roster as well. Dante Hall was on the roster. There's a lot of different people. Four and five stars were just stacking out the roster. Isaiah Todd was on there. Deshaun Nix, just to mention even more. Like, there were a lot of people who needed their touches, and Jalen Green could take the backseat role. So, yeah, he was creating shots off that dribble at a really high level, but he was also just a catch-and-shoot player, especially at the wings. And he would get hot, and when he gets hot, there's no stopping him. He's like a Zach Levine almost, where he can score inside, and he can also pull up. He can step back, but when he's in the zone, you can even try to double him, and it's truthfully not even going to work that well. Off the three, he had games where he shot six of eight, five of six, and another one, he shot four of nine. In those, it was a blend. There wasn't one game where he was solely a shot creator and one of them where he was a catch and shoot guy. It was just evenly coded everywhere, and I think that's really more credit to him that he's doing both in all these games and doing it at a pretty high level. There were some kind of bad games that were tossed in there, but overall, Jalen Green was a beast from downtown. He shot 36.5% from downtown this last season, and he did it on shooting 5.7 attempts per game. That is a lot. I think if you plug that into the Thunder's numbers, he'd actually be leading the team in terms of attempts. Lou Dort might have been the leader is a little bit over five with him, but yeah, Jalen Green pops it any chance he gets, and he was hitting it from a very high rate, so there's no problem. The shot fluidity, it's great. The release is great in terms of how he gets open on the step backs, elite. Consistency, yeah, that has a bit of a question mark on it, but overall, he has the makings of a three-level score at the next level, and at all three levels, he is an extremely good one based on what he can do, but it doesn't end there. That was all the stuff I talked about playing on the basketball. Now, catch and shoot, that's off the ball, but for the most part, I was talking off ball or on the ball. Off the ball, he's still just as lethal, and I mentioned how he was a bit of an alley-oop threat with the Ignite this year, it needs to be stressed even more, honestly. So, Jarrett Jack, he was a main dude. And I don't even know how old Jarrett Jack is. I was shocked that he was even playing on the team. Like, I think he might have even had stints with, um, like, the, the three-on-three. I don't even know what the big three league. Like, Scalabrini's playing on there. All these kind of washed-up guys, they've had runs there. Jarrett Jack might have been there. But, um, yeah. He, he was a really good addition to the team, not just for a veteran player, but also he's pretty damn good. He saved them in a couple games um, this this year. But um, yeah, I mean, especially in transition, they kind of had this major connection with each other. So it would be two on two or two on one, whatever it may be. Jared Jack, he's just strolling up, coasting, and he's around the top of the key. Jalen Green, on the other hand, he is just darting up the floor 
from the sides and he goes in from like the hash mark he'll sneak around from the wing and then he just curls right into the basket and Jarrett Jack would just loft it up there because I mean I'd have to imagine his sneakers are just like making the loudest of sounds out there he's sprinting but I mean the defenders just couldn't keep up I mean they were in a terrible situation they let Jack throw oops to Jalen Green all day and he kept hammering them down and then even when you move it from a half court perspective he's still very deadly I talked about the angles here and he could recognize the weak side from a mile away that's what I loved from watching the film with Jalen Green and that's what I loved watching him when he played the Oklahoma City Blue both Green and Jonathan Kuminga, who I will be talking about, they looked like absolute stars against the Blue, and it, I'm assuming it was like that for the whole 15 games, but in those ones in particular, they were potentially like the second and third best players on the court. Obviously, Moses Brown, he's getting number one for me, but yeah, they were hell of a good players in that game, but there were a lot of alley-oops sprinkled in there, and it was how he just has to sit back he sees where the basketball is. He sees that the center is on the other side of the rim. And then the other center, he's looking the wrong way. So he sees that he can cut in from the baseline, cut in from the wings. He takes it. As I said, that first step doesn't go away, probably even improves when he's off the ball. But he gets two, three steps on his man, and he just goes right at it they throw the lob to him he's gonna dunk it lay it in even if it's not a dunk or whatever he'll catch it and then if he feels pressure from behind he'll pump fake he'll get them up in the air and then he can go and get some points he doesn't even need to do that i mean he's so quick at flipping him flicking it up and in he can just go in without trying to be a foul magnet or anything so that's what i love i think that as the alley-oop guy that's almost the whole package really from a scoring standpoint and then you put the icing on the cake with his catch and shoot ability and maybe this might be one of the biggest factors with him because as he's popping these threes the big deal is how can he play off the ball told you slashing great now we're talking about the three-point shooting as a catch and shoot guy is also on par with other pretty solid you know guys twos in this league that makes him a serious versatile threat because he doesn't need to be the guy controlling the basketball at all times. He can play that sidekick role, but he's going to be one of the best sidekicks a superhero could ever have. And at times, he's going to be better than the superhero. And he very well could be a superhero himself. And the guy taking the ball past the timeline, he could be the sidekick. He could be the leader of a very good team in his career. That's just how good his offense is so it's wild man uh it's really wild what his abilities are at least shooting and slashing but um even as a playmaker you have to love him he averaged 2.8 assists for the g league in this last season albeit he averaged 2.7 turnovers i will talk about that but running inside he was amazing the court awareness did not just come off the ball on the ball he was still looking right up the floor in a transition scenario he's darting up but you know what he's looking at he's looking at the corners he's looking to see if he can throw you know rifle in a bounce pass to someone right below the basket and 
I mean, he'll be good, and even behind him, he's going to look for trailers, potential trailers for dunks. If he's going in and he thinks someone's going to try to chase down block him, he's just going to jump up and he'll, he'll throw like a behind the back pass even. That's how advanced he can get it sometimes to uh, to get some points going. And in the two-on-one, he makes the best read. He could just try to go all in, get a contact dunk if he wants to. But he likes making this safe play whenever and making those dump offs. Sure, it's not going to be on Sports Center, but it's going to be something that the coaches are going to love him for. Absolute darling in that. And then also playing in the pick and roll. He's insane as an offensive player. He can really score at the top of the key, mid range, slash, right? But also as a passer, He's really improved there too, and he knows exactly where his role man is. Now, with the Ignite, there wasn't really enough reps for me to see him playing in a pick-and-pop scenario. Like, all the different bigs for the G League team, they they were really just kind of interior-based. Like, they had Amir Johnson playing, Jonathan Kuminga, who did spot up at times, so I guess technically you could splice him in there. But, I mean, the main bigs for them Dante Hall too they all cut to the basket and that was completely fine with Jalen Green because of how he's able to score but he always knew where his players were at and a lot of times you'd see hedges you'd see complete switches and doubles as he rolls to the rim and he'd always find his man cutting to the basket so if he has the angle to make a pass he's gonna use it the baseline is his friend there were a couple plays where he tried to utilize that, maybe like jump over, dump it off, and I mean, that that's a big deal for me, and then also those loft passes where, you know, it seems like he might not be able to throw a typical like bounce or chest pass, a little bit of an overhead, or even damn near looking like a shot, just push it right over both defenders' head, and um, you're gonna have a good look around the basket so the awareness in the pick and roll is right where you need it to be i will say though um in a half court situation though i talked about in transition how he can see guys in the corner i think in in the half court though if he's slashing into the basket he knows where the big man is and i mean that is probably what his sidekick would be he knows where the big is if you can pair him up with a stretch four stretch five you're living in paradise but those corner sitters they may get a little bit uneasy with him at times. Like he made some, like sometimes he made bad decisions where he won the drive into two people, or he just forced errant passes that clearly would not work out for him. But yeah, if there was a dude in the corner, he'd miss out on them a lot more, and he kind of get that tunnel vision. Hopefully, though, he'll be able to be able to read that a bit better because. I expected him to just be a ball dominant guy and he changed my mind in the G League the pick and roll he was a great passer he looked like a point guard doesn't look like that kicking in the corner but he could grow there and defensively I haven't talked about it but he already has something amazing he can kind of bounce off of and it comes with how he operates in the passing lanes he averaged one and a half steals with the ignite this year and he was not getting steals just in a traditional sense when you have someone one-on-one he's not picking your pocket all that much actually that's not where he got the most of his steals he did it a lot in terms of lurking and just 
out of nowhere stealing stuff out of passing lanes but also when he is playing off the ball handler and let's say he's driving right from the top of the key and he's at the right wing he'll slither over there and he'll just dislodge the basketball you know if he sees the ball right in front of him he's gonna poke his arm out there and jar the ball loose so he's still very kind of aware when it comes to what is going on especially from that defensive end where you know someone else has the basketball on the ball it's a bit a bit different but off the ball he's great at defending and those mind games really show up when you take into account what he does in the passing lanes now I tried maybe he was like this star I know Jalen Suggs was a star quarterback and hell maybe he played on the defensive side but he was amazing I don't even know if Jalen Green did that in high school. Maybe he was just a one-sport athlete. But if he would have played like free safety or cornerback, oh my goodness, he'd be a four or five star as well. Like even at 178 pounds. I don't know what the tackling would look like, but damn, this guy would be looking like Deion Sanders at some times. Like he will be waiting five, maybe even further feet away. He's got a, a, a couple strides to go, but he'll just hide in these wings and when someone you know throws a pass over there from the top of the key he just bolts out he's able to get a hand on it if he doesn't poke it and you know it bounces forward he can take it in transition he's going to disrupt it to the point that the play is going to get stalled you know the other guy might have to pick the basketball up or it's going to get poked out of bounds or something but he's able to disrupt everybody off of that and uh I mean, I don't I don't know how you can make that a negative. Like, he is able to steal the basketball. You know, in other areas, you don't know. You know, there's gray area. Even blocking, the like, the basketball, he can go up there. Um, now, the ways he did it, he averaged .3 a game, by the way, so it's not like crazy, but mostly chase downs. But it's not like you'd be depending on him for that. And then even in some other areas, like I said, it's a little bit gray. But you have really everything he's all encompassing on the offensive side from scoring at least he can fizzle in some passes especially when he's looking at his big man or in transition and then also defensively there's some upside clearly there you know on the steals he has it you just need to work on the on-ball stuff and then also him you know as as like a shot blocker and rebounder and stuff like that but I mean, I really like him. Um, I do think there's a couple downsides with him, though. And I think number one, and this is a major one, it's defending off screens. And as I talked about the upside, like he has the package. He has that size. He has the speed. And he has the verticality. Also, he's very damn slithery as a finisher offensively. But defensively, that kind of goes away a little bit. And off of these screens... He can get torched. And I want to preface this by saying, I think overall for guards, defending on screens is huge. And I think for centers, it's the exact same. Like we saw, and this could be any team, but obviously I'm going to put the Thunder as the example. But with Al Horford, when he was playing for the Thunder, there were points where people were not extremely happy with him defensively because he couldn't hedge. He couldn't switch. He dropped down, and it wasn't even like the mid-range that he'd be dropping back on. He'd be like right at the restricted area when you got a screen like 10 to 12 feet away. That's just free lunch money for some of these guards, and everyone's working on shooting the basketball. It doesn't matter if you're 
five foot three or you're seven foot seven, right? You can be Muggsy Bogues or Bull Bull or Manute Bull, I guess. But no matter what, I mean, everybody wants to be Steph Curry now. Everyone wants to shoot. And because of that, you're seeing a lot of more shooters and stretch bigs in the league. But particularly with these guards, I mean, they're so elite. Like if Jalen Green was coming off these screens and his matchup was just a carbon copy, the offensive version of Jalen Green would torch the defensive side pretty much every time. Like, I don't think there would be many situations where his offensive game would get trumped by his defensive side. Like in 100 simulations, you give him probably 90, maybe even 95. That's just how much better he is, at least in terms of how he can get open and such. But off those screens, though, it's a problem. And if you can't develop that, that's where you go from someone who would not be exploited, exploited, my goodness, in like a defense to now you can be deemed as unplayable at some points, especially in crucial games. If you want to have an example of that, think about Terrence Ferguson. When he got picked up, he was expected, he's just lengthy, like, he might also be 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, he's lengthy, and he was known to be a 3 and D wing who had some explosiveness. The 3, I'll tell you what, that never worked out, but also, the defensive side also did not work out. He was really passive, and then off those screens, he was weak, and he could not get around screens at all. Jalen Green the way that he's bad at it is so, so interesting to me. And it's almost like the lack of him even trying to get around these screens at some point. Now, when he went in full throttle trying to move around screens, sometimes it worked out fine. But if he has like a six foot 10, 250 pound dude right in front of him at the top of the key, he almost just freezes up and he'll stop in his tracks and he'll be like shimmy into the side. He's trying to like sidestep his uh, his matchup, the big man, and he can get around it. It's very awkward. It takes a long time, and that equates to like his man having two, maybe two and a half steps driving into the basket. So all the pressure gets put onto his center. He would have to switch. If he doesn't, you're giving up a free look inside or at the perimeter. Everyone would need to switch there. And it's just trouble. It's trouble waiting to happen. And I think it was a little bit easier. You could kind of sweep it under the rug in the G League because a lot of these guards, their mid-range game isn't a main deal they kind of hit on. There are a lot more of floater specialists like a Jeremy Lin, a Yogi Ferrell, for example. Even want to dig further like a Chase on Randall for the blue. They all lived off of these layups and those like runners and floaters, right? They weren't gonna take a wide open midi when they could take five feet above an easy runner. They want the runner every time. So you'd have to get the center just scrambling around. Jalen Green, he'd be out of the play, really. He could try to get on the center, but is it gonna work out for you? That's probably not the safest bet, but. Yeah, I mean, there was way too much space given up there, happened way too consistently. That is a hole in his game that needs to be filled out, and I can't stress it enough. I think nowadays, if you can't defend off those screens, you're not going to be considered a a top-level defender in this league. Maybe adequate at best if you can fill out everything else. Like, he can be known as a pickpocket. But that's great. When you are one-on-one and you get torched up off a screen or someone blowing by you, 
it is a it's a serious problem and i think it really comes down to indecisiveness like maybe even communication at times on those screens but it needs to get figured out because there is no way on earth he's going to be seen as a very good defender as i said if he does not become at least decent in that area because right now he's not the best i think laterally it's weird like because laterally he's great he's so speedy he should be able to swerve around him especially at 178 pounds but he just didn't really have that in him for whatever reason so it's difficult and if you put him against a zach levine a donovan mitchell a devin booker it could be a tough time for him right now. Now, on the other side, Booker, Mitchell, Levine, whoever, they would also struggle with handling Jalen Green right now. But, um, you know, you want to make a clear advantage for yourself. And you can be ex- explosive on offense, but if you got a problem on defense, people are going to exploit it as much as they can. And with your scoring ability, you're going to be playing a lot. That means you're just going to get thrashed with these screens for like 30 minutes a game. And coaches, they're not going to be too happy about it. So it's communication, a little bit of lateral quickness, also just awareness in general. And it's weird because I've been hyping him up as how great he is at noticing space, how good he is at alley-oops and, um, and you know, picking defenders' pockets whenever he's not even on the right dude at times he'll lurk to get where he wants to but it's still weird like I I say this especially in a in the corners like not even from a pick and roll sense but if someone you know cuts to the corner or something and they're just posted up there and then out of nowhere they wrap around some dude at the wing and now you know they're out in space Jalen Green is gonna be dozed off a little bit lulled and he also is going to be off a couple steps to where if someone makes the correct pass there's gonna be a wide open three-point shot for somebody and if you start switching it could turn into other deals but he needs to sure up there i think honestly that is something that will be fixed i think those defensive lapses where it's really just him not paying attention to his guy like he he's so just embellished in what is going on with the basketball he loses track that could be kind of resurrected a bit so where that's not much of a problem just kind of wonder what that potentially could do like obviously you want to make sure that he's not losing track of his guy but also does that mean there can be less passing lane steals like it could be a trickle down effect if you could tell me between whether or not i'd have him not be defending somebody two three possessions a game or him getting a you know a steal i'd probably want him to not be uh leaving guys open uh, a good amount of time so i don't know i don't know if that that's a big deal with him definitely the pick and roll defenses those are kind of that one really is the make or break in terms of how you look at his uh his downsides but those are the only two glaring holes in his game that i see Outside of that, he's either a good player or elite at what he's doing. And scoring-wise, he's elite. Like, you're talking he's dropping 25 uh, on any given night. Probably even more than that. But there are games where he will be cold. And I talked about those major three-point shooting games. 
but there are also a lot of those 15 where he could not hit the side of a barn. He shot 0 of 7 twice from the three in the G League. He had an 0 of 6 game and then a 1 of 6 game in those runs. So that's what, four games out of the 15 where you couldn't depend on him to shoot the ball? That's tough. Now, you look at the twos, you couldn't really check it out. I was trying to look at shot charts and everything. Uh, I, I don't have all the evidence there, but I, I'd assume that if you're shooting O of 7, O of 6, you're probably not feeling it from the deep twos either, just the mid-range in general. But I don't inherently see that as a problem. Like, anyone, all these top scorers in the league, they have their down games. They have games where they also are shooting blank from distance or whatever the case may be. They just can't make shots from the perimeter. And I don't see it as a as a bad deal for Green because of how good he is at handling the basketball and because of how good he is at penetrating to the basket. Now, if you have some team who is going to be sagging off, daring him to shoot, that could be another deal. But if you have someone who's just moderately guarding him, he's going to kill you with the first step. He's going to penetrate. And even to those guys trying to bait him to shoot or get stuffed if he penetrates, he can still pick up some fouls when he's playing. I mean, he averaged 2.3 a game. That can be improved a little bit, but still good. I mean, he can work around it. And I think the deal is if one part of his game is not working, He needs to be able to understand that and start transitioning to his other side. Because as I said, there's three degrees to how he plays. The inside game, the outside game, and the three-point area. And even off the ball, he can contribute as well. If some part is not working, a lot of guys want to shoot out of it. And I totally understand why, especially when you're such a core part of your team. But if you can feast at the basket... Just go ahead and do that. It, it does not matter. Like, do not worry about it. As long as you're putting points up, making positive efforts, you're fine. And I think if Jalen Green is able to do that, where he knows this part of my game's not working tonight, just work on the other. Flip and flop. I don't care if it's the layups that aren't working or the three-point shot that's not working. Now, both of them are terrible. That might be an issue, but I never saw that in those 15 games. Like, it seemed like slashing the basket was always all reliable for him and even if everything goes off track you still have the transition game he can kind of play off of and he'll be settled but the inconsistency is a deal that I think everybody kind of deal like deals with anyways he can work through it overall though he has the inklings of an amazing shot creator and even as a spot-up guy at the next level here's the deal that isn't necessarily about his overall game, but this might be his biggest threat as a player. And it is on how he lands off of these just crazy, crazy dunks. In high school, he had a whole mixtape dedicated to dunks with the Ignite. I'm pretty sure they probably posted some dunk compilation of his. His dunks are electric. His throwdowns are ridiculous. Rim Rattlers, he's going to be selling a lot of tickets for whatever franchise selects him, solely based on how he's able to hammer down the basketball. But the serious concern comes with how he's landing there and the injuries that could come with it. And 
The way I compare his dunk landings is to Derrick Rose. And when you say Derrick Rose and injuries, it's synonymous with ACL, MCL. Like he could not catch a break, even Achilles injuries, long-term injuries where he went from MVP to now, I mean, he's very, very good, but he had to totally change his game. And there were points in his career where no minutes were promised. He pretty much had to work from nothing joining the Minnesota Timberwolves. So it's scary to put him on that list, but do not take that as me saying Jalen Green is going to have a crazy Achilles injury. He's going to be out for a long time. Take it as he could have throughout his career stints where he's not playing. Take a, a Russell Westbrook almost where over time he'd get like minor injuries. Now, he still played a good amount of games, and the only real sore thumb that sticks out is when Patrick Beverly rammed into his leg and completely ruined the Thunder's title chances that year, um, but he'd still be out in, in patches, and I think that's what Jalen Green could be on, where it's just build up and build up, and it hits with some sort of injury where he's taken out 10, 20, maybe even 30 games. You never want to get to a point where one of your top guys is out. And if you get to playoffs and you have an injury prone person, it's a problem. Think of like a Kristaps Porzingis or something. Like he was in New York a darling. He got to the Mavs and there was injuries. There's already injuries. But now he, he's just not the same or whatever it may be. And everyone's just sticking that injury target on his back. Not talking about his skills. Now, like kind of iffy with the Magic this year, or the Mavericks this year, but um, yeah, I mean, that injury title never kind of gets off your back, and I think that could be a tag Jalen Green could have, and I hope it doesn't happen, because this is a guy in this draft class who I love more than every, anybody. No one's even close because of just how Jalen Green's able to execute on the floor, but this is something that needs to be taken seriously by trainers. I don't know how he went through the high school ranks and playing with the Ignite, not having a sit down, we need to fix this, having overall training for it. And I bet with the G League, they took that into consideration. Past that or before that, I don't know. I think in high school, you just want to make the, the good looks. Coaches, they want to see them win, this and that. They want to get attention for their guys. But I don't know. It, it's something that will need to be discussed and it's going to suck because the way he dunks now is so cool and he will throw down a dunk and then he's going to stick his knee out and hell, I mean, that looks absolutely stick. That looks sick, but then he's putting all the pressure into his leg that's not kicked out and typically that's going to be his right leg and then also with those knees sticking out, it's going past his toes and that puts even more pressure going on. So it's just putting sandbag on sandbag. Something has to break somewhere. Like there, there's a point where it, it could get bad for him. So you hope it doesn't happen. And I really, I wouldn't mind seeing Jalen Green in a Thunder jersey. So obviously I, I don't want to see that happen for him. Wherever he goes, you never want to see someone get injured. But um, yeah, I mean, properly falling is maybe above everything on his to-do list right now even over pick and roll defense and that one sticks out in a very 
large way for him. But um, just looking at Jalen Green overall, I think I kind of got all the points I wanted to from a strengths and strength and weakness standpoint. Overall, this guy is going to be a household name, barring there are no injuries with him. Future slam dunk champion. If he's invited, he's taking the cake. There's not going to be any debate about it. He knows how to put on a show. But beyond that, he is going to be a great, great scorer. All-star caliber. He should be averaging 25 plus, probably even more than that. I've heard the term scoring leader, you know, passed around. And I'm not going to dispute those claims, to be honest with you. Now, is he going to be going for 35 every night? I don't know, but I'll tell you this, he could get 35 every night, any night, and no one is going to bat an eye because that is the type of scorer he is. The way he moves on the basketball court looks just so damn promising for the guy. He can take you anywhere he wants, off the bounce, on the bounce, driving in, going in transition, pulling up, stepping back off of a pick and roll. He has everything down from the offensive side of the basketball. The only big deal is how he works defensively, but even spacing wise, defensively, he can get those steals. Offensively, he's great at alley-oops. He sees his big man all the time. The big is going to love him, as I said, but I mean, there's just so many parts to his game that make you love him now the the two glaring issues yeah they could be big but everything else there is no problem with him and the dribbling that he puts on just makes it so enamoring because if he didn't have the step back the push cross the pull up the between the legs it would be different because you need to get him off a screen all the time but he is a natural-born isolation player when he wants to. In a seven-second offense, this is the guy you want to have. He's the person who with five seconds on the game clock, you want to be throwing the basketball and telling him, just do whatever you want. Because with those five seconds, he's going to get those dribbles in. He can step back. He can get to the basket at the speed of light. He can get a kick out if he wants to. So many options with him. And I think out of anyone in this class, that is the guy you pick for scoring purposes. And in a seven second, a Jalen Suggs or a Cade Cunningham, they are good. I think Cade Cunningham more than Suggs is a great scorer. I don't know about Suggs from three, but Cade, he can shoot from the perimeter. Regardless, Cade is going to need a screen. Cade has the step back, but you're not going to get the offensive production in seven seconds with him. You got to bake up a 12 second offense to see the light of day and Jalen Green he has just never been like that got the spring newest step anywhere on the basketball court he can hit really from anywhere on the basketball court so only real knock up like I said is the pick and rolls helping a bit on the lateral quickness there and um I mean how he plays landing on those dunks because it's it's really not even from um you know from actually on court live ball it's after the play where he needs to be a bit safer you need to land on both feet take the pressure off of your acl your achilles you don't want to see any sort of knee issues with him because if he does not have knee issues he is going to be a special special player and i think 
you know, regardless, take out the dunk, he's still special. You know, my evaluation on him is really high. I think you're talking an all-star, someone who's going to be on that list a lot if he's healthy, he's going to be there. But also, on top of the all-star level scoring, he's someone you can depend on to just take over in games. You're talking game six, Clay Thompson at times. He'll go in and he is electric. No one is going to put a bottle on him. And that's just how it's going to be. The scoring, I think I hit it top to bottom here, but he's elite. At his floor, he's an elite scorer in the league. The only issue is on defense. And if he just gets to an adequate level on there, it's not going to be a major problem you're talking about. You're still putting him in that elite class with no major holes in his game. So if you assume that both laterally and on pick and roll defense, he's able to fill out and uh, with the 6-6 frame, he's good to go. Going to be one of the most just dominant combo guards you can have. You can pair him with anybody at the one spot and you're going to have a dynamic duo just waiting to happen. It doesn't matter who you put next to him. They're going to look a lot better with him and his teammates are honestly too. So bounce, midair adjustments, shooting, everything, everything is where you want it to be with Jalen Green. And then the speed is also fast. I was going to compare him to De'Aaron Fox. I feel like that might be a bit above where he is, but He's like a 660 Aaron Fox in terms of speed. And and the step back like Harden, man, that's about the biggest compliment you can have in terms of shot creating ability. And that's not going to take a peg off. I don't think that. I think shooting inconsistency will be something that can stick with him. But I think once he kind of turns the corner on that and gets the realizations, he is going to be good to go. I mean, he played against better competition than other guys in this draft class. There's a lot of great college players. I think there's a lot of great college coaches too. But in the G League, he was playing seasoned veterans and even guys who right now are balling out on NBA contracts right now. Those guys in college can't say that. Probably played some NBA guys who are going to get their names called in uh, in July, but um, I don't think they can really put that step on green. So he has the experience right now, and he has all the tools to be really one of the best um, best scorers in this league in a couple of seasons. So I'd say Zach Levine's really the comparison I'm looking at, but um, if he goes above that, like, do not be surprised. He is the best scorer in this draft class, and the playmaking, obviously, it's, um, it's not like elite level. I think that Suggs and Cunningham, they had passing down to an absolute T. But Jalen Green, he's solid there. I don't think Cunningham or Suggs can mess with him, though, in terms of how he's able to get open on shots, though. So if you win out right now and someone called Jalen Green first in a draft class, any other draft class without Cade Cunningham, I would think he's a surefire thing. Now, with Cade, it's up in the air. If you pick him first, though, I'm not going to entirely hate on you. I think there would be a reasonable reasonable explanation for that pick. Also, though, if he falls down the boards, and this is going to be an absolute travesty, unless the Thunder you know, are, are there to swoop him up late, uh, later than he should go. He should be a top four lock, by the way. But people are scared by landings, which, truthfully, I don't think that's the case because Derrick Rose was picked 
number one, and uh, Russell Westbrook, too. He was also picked high. But, um, I mean, yeah, if people are that concerned, like they were with Michael Porter Jr., he could fall out a bit. But, damn, that would be the best value you could get because Michael Porter Jr., he hasn't had major injuries right now, and he is the second or third best piece on the Nuggets. And that's even when you want to talk about Jamal Murray in the mix, too. He's great for that team. And Jalen Suggs will be great for anybody. Absolutely love him as a prospect. I think offensively has the highest ceiling in this class. And maybe overall, he has the highest ceiling in his class. Absolute beast when it comes to putting the ball in the hoop. But that's my evaluation on him. I'll be getting more evaluations out as we go by. I'm going to be hitting on the main ones. Jalen Suggs. Evan Mobley, Jonathan Kuminga, and even more as we approach Lottery Day. If you guys want to make any suggestions as to who I should check out, because I know in this draft there are a lot of fun prospects, make sure to hit me up. You guys can find me on my Twitter at Ben Kreider, B-E-N-C-R-E-I-D-E-R, or talk to me through the podcast Twitter. I believe it is Thunderstick Pod. There's a character limit that you have on Twitter. If not, just direct back to me. You guys can shoot me a DM. I do have those open. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.